What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, we got a great guest today. I got Joe Finneran, Michael and I's mutual friend out of the Hudson Valley. And uh, he's been a guest on my personal show a few times. Really good friend of mine. Every time I'm back, we're hanging out. And uh, Joe's just a really, really uh, experienced investor. So Joe, I I'm excited to have you on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to this for the three days we've uh, scheduled it. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Good morning, guys. What's the topic today? What's so that's a great, great question you asked that. So we're going to talk about how you've built your rental property business in New York, because you have, a, you know, a very respectable amount of properties. And you've been someone I've looked up to for a while when it comes to being a landlord in, a, in New York. So let's just give it listeners a little bit about your background. And I don't want to usually when Mike and I do interviews, I end up hogging the mic like an animal. So I'm going to let Mike ask a lot of questions too today. Sure. I can't give him the day off, unfortunately. Mike, <laughs> we've got to have you work today. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate and then we'll, we'll I'll have Michael figure the next question out. Okay. <laughs> I got in, I think 2012, I got in and, uh, I don't know. I told some people this before. I was a little bit lucky because I started maturing at an age where the market was very low, meaning, you know, I was 24, 25. That's when people really start to get their shit together. When you're 20, 21, 90% of the people, they're just worried about when they can have their first sip of legal booze legally. They're not, I mean, there is anomalies. I think you were a young hustler starting out. We know some other people. But usually 19, 20, 20, 19 to 23, people aren't really sure. They're still figuring out their life. Where I was about 25 when the market was pretty low, 2011, 2012. And you could buy at a deep discount. And um, I mean, houses near me were $40,000, $50,000 in Orange County. So That's I crazy. was a little bit lucky, I would say, where... I was at an age where I was becoming more mature when the market was very low or some other later guys, you know, maybe the market was going up. They didn't have that opportunity to buy a house for $40,000, $50,000. Um, they didn't get to, you know, a more serious age in their life that 25 to 30, where you're really starting to look towards a career and get more serious about business. Um, I started out, my parents were in real estate a little bit. My mom had a couple of rentals. And I remember when I was nine or 10 years old, I would have to help my mom on the weekends, fix up the house. I mean, this is when I was 10 years old, little stuff like spray paint or paint. And I hated it, <laughs> but it was, I, I absolutely hated it, but it was just part of, um, you know, as part of growing up, I saw that they had a few places and then, um, I said, maybe this is the way I'm going to do the same thing. 
Interesting. Um, and I started out my first house I bought for like sixty thousand dollars. Where was this? Where Where are you based this out of? People don't know. Middletown, Middletown, New York. I bought it. Was my first home for sixty one thousand dollars, and um, I sold the next year for one forty, and then I bought a couple other ones for forty fifty thousand dollars. And back then, the, the game plan was way different. Um, I was fixing up stuff just to make it enough to be livable because. The material costs more than the appreciation you could get in the Middletown area. So if you dump 40 grand into something, but the value would only be 150 all fixed up, sometimes it wouldn't make sense. It was just, just make it livable. Because if you did granite countertops and stainless steel appliances and all that, but the houses were only selling for a hundred, $120,000, there's there's nothing left so it was, it was a very budgeted renovation the, di the difference between the high-end finishes and the low-end finishes didn't didn't what didn't make sense because they yeah, cost exactly. more than you're you, you really it's like fixing a house up in schenectady or something it's you're only going to get you know if it costs seventy thousand dollars to put into it and you're only going to get 150 all fixed up I mean, you there's not a lot of meat on the bone. There's not no real meat on value. the bone. You got to yeah. do a very basic renovation and, and a very budgeted and, and just take a little bit less. Pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. So Joe, you, you're telling, you're talking about numbers that, I mean, if, if, if it was a 20, what is it? 2022. Now, if Middleton was on sale at that price today, I mean, you, you can't just to give the listeners some context, that's my area too. You can't touch a house in Middletown, at least a, a decent house, for less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's like true. not even you can't even sniff one. Like they don't even you can't even <laughs> buy one if you want it. No, you so can't. It, it it's it's it got to the point where the wave caught on, and and now it's almost like in Port Jervis, which is basically like you know, like garbage white trash area to be completely honest i mean you, you can't find a property in, in poor jervis for less than 100 grand for the most part so it's just the area that we live in has changed and we operate in so you know you you started with your first deal and you you know you you had a good some good timing but you've been able to accumulate a very very respectable sized rental portfolio so how did you do that to where you didn't run out of money eventually because you have a lot of properties and, you know, I, I want to respect what you have. I don't want to start yeah. crazy claims, but like you do very well. And, you know, you kind of did it this in a short period of time. Like you didn't start out with a lot of money. No, it was been, been about 10 years. Um, I was doing a lot of flips, flip, and then buy a rental, flip, buy a rental. And I, I would buy them very deep discounted. Um, and I, I just kept on hustling with that. I didn't really pay the bank in much interest until the last year or two. I mean, things have gotten so expensive. I'm not getting in these properties at 75, 80 grand anymore and then fix them up and rent them out. So I'm, I am starting to use a little more leverage now, um, especially with the interest rates going up. I'm starting to borrow a lot and hoarding cash because um, – have my ammunition ready, as you would say. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I think things are going to come down November. They are slowing a little bit, 
I think November, December, you're going to see a little bit more. The Fed's going to meet a couple more times by then. I think they're, they're going to meet in September and all about October. And then we're going to be going into that cold weather in New York, holiday time. People won't be shopping for houses as much yet. I don't think. Right now, people still let me get in and get my kids' school settled, buy something that it still makes sense to buy, even though the interest rates are up. It, in my area, anyways, I notice the more expensive areas, it might not make sense to buy where the rent compared to the mortgage payment, you might be better off renting. But I noticed in the poorer areas, the rent is still pretty high and, and the, the price to buy, it would still make sense. So Joe, what is what does your portfolio look like now and where, where is it located? Um, Middletown, I mean, Middletown, Ellenville, Wurtsboro, and Fort Jervis. It consists of 34 units altogether. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I'm a little bit spread out, not too bad. Everything's within 30 minutes of each other. It, it's gotten a lot tougher, I would say, though. Um, the new laws that came out, I heard you guys podcast the last few years. I have two bad tenants, and a few years ago, I could just say this isn't going to work out. You go your way. You, I go my way. Now, I, I mean, I have to work with them as much as I can because I don't want to get in court with them. They are paying eventually. I don't want to get in court and then legal aid tells them to file for ERAP. And it's almost like I don't want them to know what their rights are or not their rights, but these programs that can – it's like final bankruptcy. It stops everything. It's crazy. ERAP is nuts. They haven't even figured out what the hell to do with that. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. It makes me want to... But for those that don't property. know, ERAP is a new program called Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And uh, it's sort of a COVID era thing. And it's still sort of there because some counties funded it and don't have any money for it. And some counties don't. And if somebody files for it, it screws up... It screws up uh, the eviction and puts a stay on it, a federal stay on it. So, yeah. so, so Joe, I assume you self-manage the properties, correct? Sorry? Yeah, you I self-manage self the, yeah, self the property, which isn't that bad. People, um, some people can't handle it. They get a call about a toilet or this. Or, I kind of tell them I'm strict right from the get-go on new tenants. Ones I inherit sometimes are a problem. I tell them this is my house, but it's your home. So don't call me for light bulbs and door handles and this and that. I said, you're right. I am the landlord, but you are an adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, I am the landlord, but you are an adult. So you're going to have to do adult things sometimes. If you have a huge emergency and I'm not called the phone, you got to figure it out yourself. And then we'll square up the next day or whatever. If it's really, really bad, I'm not picking the phone. Call 911. <laughs> <laughs> Call 911. I mean, and, and it's been pretty good. Like, um, I, I don't really get many calls, maybe one or two every two weeks for uh, maintenance issues. Um, That's pretty good for that. having 34 properties. Shit, I get yeah. one call every two weeks and I got four. <laughs> I, I, I would say in the winter, it's a bit more because when the heat goes out, that's that's time of the essence. You got to That's understand. I understand. I get that though. I've gotten those calls. 
on. And uh, I get that. Yeah, I get that's that. Fun. That's fair. That's fair and that's square. Fair. What do you do? But, um, what do you do for like snow removal? Do you have one guy you use? Do you do it yourself? What do you do when the when um, it's Usually, I put it in the tenant's lease. Oh, I always shit. put the snow snow in the tenant's lease, just the liability aspect. So if somebody slips and falls on the sidewalk, or if they slip and fall in their own driveway, the liability there's another layer of protection. I have the lease that they're responsible for snow removal and ice. So if one of their friends falls or them, then it's on them. Um, sometimes I do hire people. I have one or two places where I hire somebody to do it, but I still have it in the tenant's lease that they're actually responsible. And I'm just doing it as a favor to them. But you end up doing it though. Yeah, yeah, sometimes on a couple places. Because if, if, if they don't do it, then the town will give me a fine. Right. I know. They're not fi- you can't show the town your lease. They're still finding you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the lawn, it's not as bad. I mean, the, no one's going to slip and fall on high weeds. <laughs> right. <laughs> but on the, on the snow, I get a little weary about it. I'm actually looking at this dentist office. It's not a triple net, but it's a commercial building. Um, I'm looking at meeting the guy next week. He wants to sell. But in the lease is I'm responsible for snow removal. I don't like that. That's they slip and fall on the ice, especially it's a public place. You're going to have patients coming in. Um, and I'm ultimately responsible if the, if the ice man doesn't show up or the snow removal guy one day and somebody falls, then I'm By the way, reliable. Yeah. Even if they do remove the snow, they can slip and fall. So yeah. Yeah, so I always That's put that in as a layer of protection. So, Joe, you have a lot of experience dealing with tenants, and we one of our more popular shows. Actually, anytime Michael Pinter says the word eviction and then talks about his eviction process, I think the downloads uh, go up uh, by 2,000% because he's got the most <laughs> unique process. By the way, on a side note, did you ever see Michael's video he made like two weeks ago about what he did with his squatter? No, no, I have to check oh, it out. After this, you got to text me. I'll send you this video. It's incredible. <laughs> the show and the... the, the, the I, almost, I almost killed somebody a couple weeks yeah. ago. He literally almost killed someone with a crowbar. I, I, <laughs> I had a hammer. I wish I had a, If I had a crowbar, it would have been easier. I only had a hammer. Uh, well, note to self next time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Michael like goes nuts. And I'll, I'll have the video explain it, which he, we've already talked about on the podcast. But... Joe, you we were before we hit record, you were talking about rewording the E word and turning it into a different phrase. So can you just kind of elaborate more on that? Because that's yeah, actually I really think, clever. I, I know that they need to reword the word eviction in, in court. There was always oh, getting evicted, or <laughs> or you or I'm I'm going to eviction. He's gonna I have to evict him. They say you can't evict. They should it should now be transfer of residency. Because somebody else is eventually is moving back in there. It's not like you're holding out the house and nobody can live there. You just want somebody to move in that's going to pay the rent or buy the house. So it's still going to use. It's not like we're going to kick everybody out of everything and keep it vacant and have everybody homeless. It's just really just a transfer of residency. This person is being transferred to a different place. I don't know where to have some another person move in. I we we're both on board with that. I'm I'm for it. We should start it's a campaign. Like three of us chairs. campaign in Albany oh, starting like tomorrow. Chair. It's pretty much musical chairs. 
And it's not like you're letting chairs open and nobody there in the right. chairs. It's a, bad, it's a word that's perceived as very negative in the, in the for people that don't have experience with it. But we everybody on this call, well, everybody here knows that as you said, someone we're trying to get somebody else in there. It's not like we're tr- we're not trying to hurt somebody. We're just trying to we're trying to get somebody in there who's gonna who's gonna be a good tenant. That's all. That's, yeah. that's, it's it's now highest and best the, use. Eviction like, is like just as bad as murder. They make right. like like those words are grouped together: murder, eviction, armed robbery. <laughs> <laughs> right, like it's a crime. Like it's a crime. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Joe, in your in your portfolio, is it all single families? Or you have some multifamilies too. No, um, I have about ten single families, and then I think four or five two families, and then I have a five unit building, and then a three unit building. Yeah, that's what it consists of. All right. So, Joe, I want you to I want to talk about a deal you did that didn't go very well. Uh, not because I want to make you look like a fool, but I, I've done deal? it. Mike's done it. Talk to me about Otisville and what happened there. That was a development deal. I guess you could call it. It, it was a great price. Like what, ha- like give awesome. us the, how did you find it? And then let's like unpack the entire thing. Cause there's a lot of lessons we can yank out of this one. I remember you telling me about it. Yeah. A, bro- um, a broker told me about it. It was on LoopNet. It was on there for a while. It was like $80,000. It had a commercial bar downstairs and two apartments upstairs. Okay. It was in Otisville, New York. Um, it was right across from the prison there, which isn't terrible. Um, if it was across from the jail, yeah, not so good. I think it was a famous prison, though. I think uh, Michael Cohen was there. Who else? Uh, the guy yeah, my, George, a lot of people George. in my neighborhood were there. It's a very low, low... Uh, Low-level prison. You're not getting murders there. You're getting uh, white-collar crimes. A lot of white-collar crime there. Nobody, nobody people in my neighborhood there. Nobody <laughs> escapes from the, nobody escapes from there, right? Because they, they don't they don't they don't want to go to someplace worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a three-unit bill. Needed a lot of work. I did roof and siding and this and then, and then I just learned this is way too much work for the amount of rent I'll be getting. Otisville is a very small village. Um, not a lot going on there. And the one thing is you don't want to do big projects. This was a bigger project in very small towns. Because everybody yeah. is watching you. You're like the biggest thing that's happened since white sliced bread. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, you do not want to do big projects in small villages or even if you're just fixing up a house. I like to be in the mix. Well, there's something yeah. going on down the street. There's something else, a bigger project than me. That way, there, you know, the building inspectors and all of the town isn't talking about you. Um, and I got a stop work order within a few weeks. I go to the building department. The building department's open one day a week from the hours of 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah, they're open one hour a week. And then, and, then, and then they're not open on the first week of the month. It's like, how do you get anything done? I'm there, and this the project went into the winter. How uh, six o'clock at night? How are they doing any inspections? Dark out inside. There's no electric. I mean, there's no lights in the building. <laughs> it was just you, you couldn't even schedule anything to get done to pull the permit. Then the lady wasn't in. Then she had to come and see it. 
You have to wait for two weeks for her to come and see it. It was a mess. Um, you know, it did new roof, new siding, all that. And I just said, it's not worth it. I wind up selling it. I lost a few thousand dollars on it. That's I not bad. It. I lost maybe five grand on it in a lot of time. Similar and, to my deal I did. Very similar. Yeah, and yeah. just a lot of time. But this thing wasn't, yours was rented. Mine was not, you couldn't rent it. You couldn't do anything. You oh, know was, how I wound up selling it? Smoked? I, I was on that moss. I put like one of those, you know, coffee signs outside. You know, those like B A shaped plastic. Oh, yeah, signs? yeah, 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 yeah. Like you see at Stewart's or yeah, like donuts, you know, communicating a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like 99 cent coffee out by the street. Like, what'd I you put, put one of those out? And uh, somebody called me and the guy bought the building. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you end up selling that son of a gun for? One fifty-five. Ah, that's not, dude. That's not terrible, honestly. I bought it for eighty. I held it for a year and a half. I threw a ton oh, of yeah. money into it. Um, yeah, but it the the worst deal now, we can, if you want, is Manhattan Avenue. Yeah. So, Michael, this you're gonna like this one is you're gonna really perk up. Uh, your ears are gonna perk up on this one. So this is a Joe. By the way, I was reading a. Um, I was reading like a law, like article thing on my Kindle a couple nights ago. I was trying to look up your little case law thing with your four. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just, this is very interesting to say the least, Mike. This Joe is in a real tough situation now to say the least. He's, uh, he's got himself in a, in a little bit of a jam. Well, I'll tell you the story. I bought a house at tax sale. Not a, I, um, it was about three, four years ago. Me and my mother, we were the winning bidder. And um, the bank didn't pay the, the way it works in the city, in the cities of New York is you buy the lien. Um, I think the lien was for like $900. They well, it was back water and sewer. And then the, the town or the city's middle town in this case sends out all these notices saying, look, you got to pay this bill. You have one year to make sure you don't lose the property. Otherwise, we're going to give it to the highest bidder, which was like $120,000 was our highest bid. But at that moment, you only have to pay whatever is passed due that is delinquent by the bank and the property owner and whoever has the interest in the property. So they sent them all these notices, whatever they signed for the notice, Bank of America was had a mortgage on it for $200,000. They got served. Nobody comes forward and pays this back water and sewer. So the city of Middletown calls us in, look, nobody has paid. We're going to convey the property to you. You have to bring in now the full bid amount, which is $120,000. Give them the check. A couple of days go by. Can't give you the deed, COVID. So what do you mean you can't give us the deed? There's a foreclosure moratorium. We can't. So they said, couple months let's wait a couple months still can't give you the deal we need i said we need our money back then until you can <laughs> and the city attorney is like ignoring us i'm like what is we're chasing him around and the thing is these smaller towns up to you're in a tough spot if you own a lot of rentals in that area you don't want to cause too many waves to swim the wrong way up the stream They'll send the building department after you. I mean, it's a small town. They'll 
talk. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, it's it's not. It's a lot different than like yeah. You kind of want to popular. You want to cooperate. You don't want to give them a tough time because they will get you back through the building department usually. (laughs) So we waited. Finally in September, they gave us the deed. I wait a month or two, start fixing up the house, put like 80 grand into it, central air, all new boiler, all new cabinets, all new bathrooms, 85 grand. Come a year later now, right? How did you dispose of the property originally? Like, how did you, you just, you put 80 grand into it. What happened? Did you move someone in or did you have it? No, I have a tenant there now. He's paying 2,800 a month. So about, a month and a half ago, I get a text from my tenant. There's people walking all over the property. They're saying it's going to auction. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm saying, what? <laughs> yeah, they're walking all over because the tenants have cameras knocking on the door, looking through the windows. I'm like, what are you talking about? That would have been then Michael just, five years ago. Then all of a sudden, like what then all of a sudden one of my friends sends me don't you own this property it's on auction.com oh no (laughs) (laughs) going up for the foreclosure sale (laughs) and and, and i'm like what so i'm calling auction.com i'm sending them the good luck good luck finding somebody to answer your questions there (laughs) Uh, and and like they escalated to this legal field and then i'm sending them a copy of the deed that the bank what happened was the bank doesn't even know that they lost the property at tax sale. They still have right. this big mortgage on it. Now they can, cha- the they can challenge service and say we weren't served correctly. Yeah, but with the fees, it's up to like two hundred thirty thousand dollars the mortgage. Is there still a lien on the property for two thirty? Two thirty something. Yeah. So yeah. Your, your, but your deed should have canceled out that lien legally. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Of course, it your does. Sale. It says it's wiped out, but. It's still, it's still but on there. But they are disagreeing with that. So, Mike, who's getting sued in this scenario? Because this, I told Joe, I said, I think he's going to have to sue the city of Middletown, if I, my knowledge serves me correctly. Did you get title insurance when you bought it from the city? No, you, you can't. You can't. Quit yeah, that's where I said, you're kind of fucked, dude. No, I mean, it's kind of... Uh, everybody, nobody gets title insurance on these things, is the quick claim deed, and then you can get it after two years. With... with Usually you can't. So, anyways, the places were like three fifty now. Um, the bank isn't saying they're not cooperating. They say they're investigating. I'm not. I don't even know who I'm talking. It's Bank of America. I don't, I don't even know who I'm talking to. I'm. So the, que- with- but the question yeah. is, how good was the was how good was the legal process from the city of Middletown to? Did they wipe out that lien, or did they not wipe out that lien? No, no, no. They have proof of service. I sent it all over. But, and I sent it to the bank attorney. I hired an attorney now. The problem is, is that I'm not in touch with decision maker. I, I'm, I'm fighting Bank of America. Who am I? I'm dealing with some big fat guy in Chicago. Who's making the decisions? I don't even know who he is. They have the attorney representing them, the bank attorney. And that's as far as my length goes. Right. And, uh, you know, the bank attorney is, they're pretty much incentive for litigation to say, i don't know we, no listen if if you think, if you if you did everything right and the city of middletown did everything right 
that attorney may look at it and tell his and tell Bank of America, "This you you know you're done here." They don't really care that much. I mean, if you think about it, the litigation to deal with this whole thing could cost them forty grand if it's some fat attorney in in, in Chicago. For what? What are they really getting? They're, they're going to get in a mess. You're going to they're going to sue them after. It's a whole thing. So if you if everything was done right, you just got to make sure. And you don't know. You don't know if Middletown did everything right. You hope they did everything right. But you, yeah, exactly. if everything was done right, you might be fine. And they and they may just walk. You think they? You think Bank of America really gives a shit if they walk away from? A two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. They probably thought they were going to sell that for a hundred thousand dollars anyway. They're probably going to take a beating. If you would, if somebody would offer them a short sale at a hundred, they might have taken it. So, so from a macro perspective, if everything was done legally right and their attorney says you're out of luck, they'll they'll just say goodbye. They don't care. They don't give a shit. But if anything was done wrong, if anything was done wrong, if they have anything to sort of lay the lay a legal claim on to litigate, they're going to want money from you. They're going to want a settlement. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather just pay him off at this point, whatever. But how much? You know, You're not going to pay him 200 yeah, exactly. grand, right? Exactly. You can't pay him 200 grand. You're already in the deal for what? No, no, yeah. I was going to say, well, look, the, the city pretty much got 120 of net proceeds. It was like $900 to it. So the city netted 120 The city should give that those proceeds to the bank and then just call it even. Well, the city's not going to do Middletown doesn't give a fuck about that. No, no. They got yeah. their $120,000 to Middletown is a lot more than $120,000 to Bank of America. So, yeah, but it's like I said, if Middletown did everything legally right, then that, then Bank of America has no legal claim to the house whatsoever because they their their lien is wiped out on on the on the lien sale. But if Middletown did anything wrong, if they screwed up on the service in any way, if they served the wrong place and if they did any any anything wrong, then you know Bank of America is going to come after the house. But really, like you said, they should sue. They should sue the city, not you. They should sue the city. The, the property's already gone, and they conveyed it wrongly. I, I didn't do anything in the wrong. You you certainly did do anything wrong. So it's but I hired a pretty good attorney. He got a temporary restraining order against Bank of America, so they can't not foreclose. Yeah, right. they can't touch the deed or anything like that. And I guess they're filing to extinguish the mortgage and we'll see what happens. Listen, usually the when a when a deed is transferred already, it's very it's almost impossible. I had a situation I'll tell you about in a second for for the bank to do anything. So, I had a situation where we I bought a property of foreclosure and then we evict we filed for eviction. And we got a judgment for the eviction, a warrant for possession, and we and the obviously the, the foreclosure went through because we they sold it to us, and we and the guy was fighting like crazy, and he and they sort of found like a window, and they said if you we couldn't close for a while because of all these legal hangups that this guy was challenging, challenging, and they called and they said we can close, so we closed right away, and the reason why we closed right away, even though we even though we knew that there was other legal challenges was because once a deed is, because I spoke to a bunch of attorneys on it, they said once a deed is recorded, it's almost impossible for them to overturn that deed. In the end, the, the, the occupant appealed both the, the, both the eviction and he appealed, and this is two separate appeal courts, appealed the foreclosure. Must have spent, from what I'm told, about fifty dollars to $60,000 in legal fees. Appeals are very expensive. Just like the just like the book that they have to file for the appeal can cost twenty thousand dollars just to make the book, and um, and and he lost both appeals and we got the house eventually. But 
But what we, we made a decision, I had a partner then, was if we if we close on it and we get a deed, it, it's almost, I, what I was told, it's never happened that they're going to overturn the deed. So I think your your deed is okay. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll overturn it, but I'm worried about if it goes to foreclosure auction, that pretty much, they, they had a meeting in court with the judge. And? and it's a referee's deed. That's very strong, I heard. That means the judge said, yes, you can auction this off. At this day, I gave authorization where the way the city, it's a judicial foreclosure. City of Middletown, they're, the way they do these, the county or the city is return receipt service. All right, we're going to file a deed. It doesn't go in front of a judge. It doesn't go in front of anything. And it's really a crappy way to do business. It's almost, I don't know if the city or town attorneys are just lazy. They don't want to go through that few year process or what it is, but if it was a proper judicial foreclosure, wouldn't even be, the bank would be totally wiped out. They'd have nothing to stand on. Right, In right, this right. case, my the ownership of the house is all based on a, a, a registered mail slip. Yeah, so that, it, it's, it's, it's different. Well, we had, we had a, by the way, it would have been a referee's, we got a referee's deed also, but it's yeah. a whole judicial process where all the liens are, are gone. All the liens are wiped. Yeah. Did you have title insurance, Mike, when you bought that? Uh, yeah, for sure. All right. That's what I told Joe. He called me a couple weeks ago and I was telling him, I, like I said, you I got a title player, insurance? But... No, you, you can't get it. So what yeah, I Yeah, I was like, you doing... should get try to get title insurance, dude, because that's like your saving grace when this shit happens. I, I, I tried pulling out um a big mortgage on it. <laughs> like like through <laughs> a bank, and it got to like three days before the closing. And they're like, yeah, we can't, we can't sure. you can't, there's a pending foreclosure. Like we were, there. I was like, oh my God, it's going to go through. And I was like, I'll just pour, pour, pull more people into this lawsuit. Yeah. Like that's the, <laughs> like, 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 so they were going to give me, it's worth 350. They're going to give me 260 on it. Now I have 260 in my bank. Now Bank of America can fight Orange County Trust. I really don't care. I got like now pulling more. Yeah, you like burn it. You were gonna burn it and take all your equity out. That's hilarious. Yeah, and then bank and they're like, "What do you mean, Orange County Trust?" Like, what do you mean? We just wrote a big mortgage on this. We can't just let this get foreclosed by Bank of America, and then they can fight it. Unfortunately, they were smart enough not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, dude! That sounds like Joey Finneran. I, it'll work out eventually. You got Dan Bertolino on your side. That guy's an absolute machine gun lawyer. Yeah, he's a no-nonsense so, yeah. attorney. He gets, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was going to say, I, I don't want to say the other story on the record because uh, you used Dan Bertolino successfully. We'll talk about that offline for a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Joe, man, I mean, it would, <laughs> one more story I want you to tell because, I mean, every time I'm back in New York, man, we hang out like all the freaking time. You had a tenant one. I just want you to tell Mike, mainly Mike, right? The fish story. <laughs> the, fish, the fish. So I had. The fish. I had so this really is ridiculous, bad, by the way. I had a really bad tenant. Um, this is, I think, seven, eight years ago. It was like my second rental. And uh, these, these people were really bad. They were pulling the thermostat out of the wall and then calling the building department saying they have no heat. These people, you ever have the kind of people that they break the stuff on purpose, so then they go to court? Well, I'm not paying them because of this, because of that. Have you ever had that yet, Greg, or no? 
No, and if I do, I, I had to settle it myself. I once had a tenant like that. It did, figured out how to get out of section section eight paying me. They broke something and said it was a safety issue. All right. So what's your story? Yeah. Anyway, so I finally got the lady evicted. I wanted the place smelled. I go, maybe it just needs paint. Maybe you know, like paint it over. She trashed the place. Paint it all with this odor eliminating paint. Still smells. I'm like, what is smelling? A month goes, I try to rent it out. A couple months go by. I cannot rent this out. I'm like, what is going on? And the smell is getting worse. I'm, I call up these people. Oh, maybe a mouse died in the wall. Or a rodent might have died in the wall. And it's smelling. It'll eventually go away. Or is it going away? Then one day I look up at the ceiling and I see like it could be a leak there. But the leak is a like a red kind of greenish color very weird a strange stain a, a strange stain <laughs> yeah strange stain yeah so I, I it was a drop ceiling so i lifted up the, the ceiling tile i lift up and then something falls down and it's a dead fish on the floor with all the guts out and, <laughs> and it, it was <laughs> It was it was like a seafood broil going on up in the drop ceiling. Seafood broil. <laughs> you wish. Why would it smell so bad? <laughs> yeah. It was it was a three month old seafood broil on the drop ceiling. <laughs> and, and, and it was like this huge catfish. I don't know, maybe about a foot and a half long, oh. and that's what the terrible smell was. <laughs> and of course, that cost me a few months worth of rent. <laughs> oh my gosh dude and, that's and a creative like, way to hose up a landlord for sure. that, look I, was that like the lady was italian i'm like is this a mafia thing like now she's scared <laughs> like like is this like is this a mob does this mean the mafia is coming or where it's about to is this is the, 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 the dead fish <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, dude. That's ridiculous. Joe, man, it, it's it's always good having you on the show, bro. You're a wealth of knowledge. I you know, look up to your business and uh, it's awesome to call you a friend. So if people want to connect with you, I mean, you're, you know, I call you Orange County's number one landlord, self-proclaimed by Greg. If people <laughs> want to reach you, how do people reach you, man? Because you put out some stuff um, on social. I'm on Instagram. I'm not that active on Instagram or real estate. I'm the Casa Investor. Got it. On Instagram and Facebook. My, it's just my name, Joe Finneran. Got it. When are you changing um, it to Orange County's number one landlord? I should, right? In the works. There's a lot of Orange Counties. <laughs> Orange County, California. One of the houses That's a different market. Portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, I was just there two so, days ago. It looks nothing like Orange County, New York. I mean, teeth, yeah. teeth are frequent I, I, in Orange County, California. I want to tell you about one uh, last. Let's get it. Let's get into it. I love it. With tenants is um, well, my friend Hershey. He's been having a problem. With oh, tenants. this has been. He knows that. Hershey real well. I met yeah. Hershey too. Oh, yeah, he Hershey's Hershey. getting killed. He bought a bunch of buildings for Kipsy. Where they oh, have this good, good cause eviction. And, and he is just stuck. He says he hasn't made a penny off a rental property. And, and it's unfortunate. I mean, he, he bought a good, good deals, but if they're not, if you can't get the rent and you can't get them out, now they're a bad deal. So. Yeah, anyways, no, that's a big, I, it's a big deal. 
I did this one time to get a tenant out is if you can negotiate with them cash for keys and you have them sign a notarized statement or it doesn't have to be cash that they are out of the property by this day and they forfeit the premises. Then after that day, I did this once and it worked and they tried calling the police. You can throw all their stuff out, clean it out. Even if they try to come back, if you have a notarized statement, the police will be on your side. Because then people could just go back to an apartment they lived in two years ago and say, I live here. But so what I started doing is instead of evicting them, if you can get them to sign a statement that says, my name is this, I have left the premises on this day, or have they're gonna left. Sign, they're going to sign something that said they left before they left? Yeah, yeah. Forfeited everything in the premises as of this day, whatever, July 30th. And then you get it notarized. And then that day, you could just go and I, I did it. Change the locks, clear on all the stuff they have in it. And the one guy tried to come back and he called the police. And I said to the police, well, look, he said he forfeited the premises. He left and it's signed and notarized. So, you know, it's his signature. And the police said, well, you moved out. You signed this document that you have forfeited the premises. That's amazing. And they signed it with you. Was this in uh, Port Jervis? This was in Port Jervis. Yeah, the guy tried coming back. Was it the guy with the boat in the backyard? That dumbass? I wholesaled you that house. You know who I'm talking about. That no, no, it, it was it was the guy upstairs, and the the power was off and everything, and and he tried coming back, and he's screaming in the street something about due process, illegal eviction, and and, and and the cops came and I showed him the piece of paper that he signed, and they said you left, you signed the document that you don't have any rights to the place anymore, and that you have exited and you're not coming back. And that's it. Otherwise, if you think about it, people can just leave and then move and say they live there a year later or two weeks later. And pull out the lease. Yeah, and pull out the lease. So if you get that, um, that is, it's, I mean, I think it's even more powerful than an eviction because ERAP can't stop that because you're not evicting them. Evicting is like a forceful thing that the judge is putting in place or the sheriff. They forfeited. They've given up. You but your guy signed that before. You guys signed it before he left when he agreed to leave, or after? Yeah. He left? No, 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 no. We signed that. It was like a week before that, and then I put the date for in the future. Okay. Got it. And then you gave him the money, is, obviously, the once he left. On my side. The police were on my side, and they said, "Look, you you signed this that you left. Uh, you can't come back." What do you say? What do you say? They go, oh, well, uh, I didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. Out of, you know, out of ammunition. That's it. Done. See you later. I like it. That's smart, man. You're 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 cut on the cutting edge in New York, uh, New York landlord law, Joe. What I mean, Mike, what do you think about that? I think I couldn't get anybody to sign it before they leave. So I, I do a lot of cash for keys, and once I try to pay them when they leave. When they leave, they sign something just like that that I have. Once in a while. I'll take, they need money in advance. So I have to trust them. So let's say I give them, I'm giving them, let's say four grand and I'll give them two grand in advance. If I do that, they sign something that's also very, very restrictive. It says I'm going, I'm taking 2000 and I'm going to get 2000 when I leave on this date. I've never had anybody that I gave money to in advance, not leave. 
But once anybody who takes cash for keys leaves, I have them sign something like that. But I haven't signed them when they leave because I don't want them coming back either. And I've never had somebody who like said they're going to leave who would agree to sign something that said I already left. If I, I wish that I wish I did. Well, I, I mean, try it. Maybe you can give them the cash for keys at that moment, or maybe I, I don't know. All it's, right, something to think it, about. It, it's, it's, it's Were you tough. paying that guy off? That guy who signed it? Were you giving him money? Yeah, yeah. I, I gave him five hundred bucks. I mean, five hundred bucks. How did you get? How did you get away with giving him so little, dude? West you don't know much crack five hundred bucks buys. I have to <laughs> add a zero to that shit normally. I know. That, I, I mean, this, this was before Western Orange County. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Like people, like 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 uh, in, inbredness is a real thing over there. You know how much booze you can get for five hundred bucks? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Give them, you get a I lot mean, of Keystone Lights, bro. You give them the money in advance. I'd be so scared. Are you dealing with more affluent people in Westchester, or what's going I'm on? I'm dealing with higher end people. I I had two squatters. I had to pay. I had to give them each eight grand. I'd pay sixteen grand for two squatters and a two family to leave. And one of them said, I just, I cannot do it if I don't have some of the money. So I gave him four grand in advance, but he signed something and he left and he took the second four grand and I got the place vacated and it was, it worked. Wow. I, I just feel like four, four grand, that's enough to kill a tenant in Fort Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like, they'd, go, they'd, they'd go right down to the corner and that's, well, and if, you if there's, four grand, that's if enough you to hit, kill a crack if, if you have Hitman for four grand, you should give, send me their numbers, right? <laughs> No, 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 not not a hitman. I mean, they'll kill themselves and go oh. to the corner for drugs. Not here, here. <laughs> higher end area, higher end. Yeah, Long <laughs> Nassau County, they're a little bit more sophisticated squatters there. You know, squatters yeah. with uh, you know, yeah, they bring their they bring their le- they bring their leases. They bring their leases. They oh, make up their leases. They're all, they're all step ahead. Well, Joey, man, it was a pleasure uh, having you on the show. We'd love to have you back uh, pretty soon. I think we can chop it up and do it definitely a part two. So people follow you out online at Acasa Investor, Joe Finneran. We'll have uh, that in the show notes. And uh, this was a fun one, guys. I appreciate uh, the three of us connecting, and uh, we will all reconvene soon. Okay. Take care, guys.